motion and bounce built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Sustainability is more than a buzzword. There are more and more of us taking essential steps to repurpose items in our daily lives, and we are seeing this change affect what we wear as sustainable fashion and eco-awareness gain traction for those of us seeking stylish options that align with our values. I'm Director of Podcast Taylor Camille, and in today's episode, we are in conversation with CEO and co-founder of Girlfriend Collective, Kwang Din, immersing ourselves in the world of a brand that artfully marries sustainability and fashion. My name is Kwong Din. I am currently the CEO of Girlfriend Collective. I co-founded it with my wife, Ellie, who is not working with Girlfriend anymore since we've had three kids in five years. She she stepped away, you know, for the time being. But yeah, we started the brand in 2016. I've been a serial entrepreneur since post-college. My background in college was mechanical and engineering with sustain, sustainability as a capstone. And so as my senior senior thesis and project. And that's really, you know, how I kind of arrived at starting this brand, you know, being sustainable and solving problems. Um, I have to say, I think I lived in Girlfriend Collective for the better part of 2020 yeah. and 2021. Yeah. Yes, I was a girlfriend and still am, but I had to curb my <laughs> curb my purchases. I was collecting a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. Loving all my onesies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my leggings. There we go. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a I'm a girlfriend collective fanatic. I'm sad to hear that your wife had to join the wife collective and not the girlfriend. <laughs> 
neglected <laughs> and raise her other children after birthing this child. Oh, I know. Cool. I think I think it was. I don't want to speak for her, but even even for me, it's. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I like to be an active dad and also try to mm-hmm. keep this business alive and keep on going. It, it is hard, you know, especially when you're trying to balance yeah. kids and you want to raise them in the way that we want to. And I think for her, it was a really hard decision for her. Where it's like, okay. Let's put this baby aside, <laughs> you know, let's focus on, mm-hmm. on the babies yeah. that actually need to be fed cereal and, you know, broccoli and, you know, a lot yeah. of PBJ. And so, but I'm, I'm definitely happy to hear that you were all girlfriend collective out during, during COVID. <laughs> you know? I, I really, I really was. I still wear it. I yeah. just had to be like, you don't need to buy everything in every color. So can you tell us more about your company's philosophy, obviously you have a background yeah. in sustainability, but how you came to this idea of pairing sustainability with like being stylish and just being more conscious consumers. Yeah, I think I think for me in whatever product category we wanted to, to establish, this is before we, we landed on Girlfriend Collective and, and Activewear. Me and my business partners, we, we got into premium denim in 2005 in a very saturated marketplace. There was a ton of premium denim out there. It was like, you know, whatever mm-hmm. new butt pocket design was a new new brand and whatever celebrity you can get on it. And I think for us, when we got into premium denim, we were like, okay, with my background, it's like, you have a choice to be sustainable or, or not. I think being sustainable mm-hmm. is a harder choice just because mm-hmm. materials are more expensive. And so as a business person, you kind of have to like look at the math that's on the wall. I'm like, okay, how do I survive? How do I create a business? And, and what is the strategy to be able to tell that story so that it is, um, you know, an important proposition within within the sales, right? It's like what's the information that you you can give, and I think mm-hmm. what that that experience laddering up to girlfriend was if if we're going to do a direct to consumer business, um, it has to be sustainable just because there's always a choice, and and with how we thought about the brand is like you know sustainability should be for everyone and for all, you know, no matter shape, size, where you're from, what your lifestyle is. And so this mm-hmm. is designed for that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in the best material possible in the most sustainable way that we can make it. And that's really the thesis of what Girlfriend Collective is at its core. And mm-hmm. I think it shows into where we're at today. Um, we try to create designs that are fit as many different body types as possible. Yes, some designs won't fit certain body types and some will. And I think we try to broaden our collection so there's something for everyone. I say this to a lot of folks, it's like sustainability can't just be for a subset of a demographic, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It has to be for all, because if you can include everyone, the more impact that you can make together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's obvious when you're even just scrolling on the site and looking at the models that you guys use, a lot of companies can take the easy way out and just make something for that one body type. So it's it's really yeah. cool to see yeah. see you guys step into the body inclusivity space as well um so kind of walk us through the practices we're talking to a lot of founders this month like founders activists of just Mm -hmm. like how we're putting sustainability in practice and i know girlfriend collective started Mm -hmm. off especially heavy on the marketing of like we're using recycled plastic bottles to turn that into activewear and we're making sure it's biodegradable can you just talk us through some of that process and how 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 we get there how it benefits us yeah, yeah, for sure. So when we first started in 2016, recycled polyester was rarely used in 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 four way stretch activewear, mm-hmm. um, just because um, you know, the processing is 
is a little bit more um, sensitive. Patagonia, for example, has been using recycled polyester, recycled from water bottles for a long time. And so when we came in, I was like, okay, like I need to learn about this entire industry and, and what really makes four-way stretch active wear have really great retention in terms of stretch and also retention in terms of like coloring and, and dyeing and be able to take color really, really well. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're known for as well. And I'm really proud of that. It's like, you know, our colors kind of pop within our fabric. And so I think for us, it's just like, you know, we went through two years of, of just R&D and, and fabric iterations and trying to figure out, you know, even the grade of chips, you know, down to the, to, to the water bottle. What we found out is buying recycled water bottles in Japan and Taiwan um, keeping it local mm. is better because places like that, they have a process to be able to recycle their, their water bottles and sort their water bottles um, way better than other countries. Yeah. So if you if you buy water bottles in Japan, like the Japanese culture is like heavily into sorting and organizing and removing the labels, removing their caps and cleaning their recycled plastic before it even gets into the recycling bin. And so what we found out is like we need like A++ chips to be able to like, you know, use it within our fabrics. And what that really meant for us is making sure that down to the raw material and how it how it ladders into to making our yarn has to be tight. We have to know who our recycler is and how they're processing it, how they're cleaning it, and making sure that it gets sent and it's you know being uh, melted down the right way and creating a yarns in a specific way and knitting in a specific way so that we can get this fabric that is scalable. Understanding that process and being able to mm-hmm. to see it through and eventually coming out with this product that people like so much. I think I think it really comes down to that. It's just like as a brand, a sample brand, it's like you gotta know where your raw material comes from. And you can't just trust the mill. You can't trust the supplier. Mm-hmm. And and I think for us, that's really how it all started. Is just like, okay, what are we trying to make that sort of checks the box in terms of product? What is that fabric made from in terms of yarn types? And then let's go look into the raw material supply chain and see how we can optimize and be sustainable there because that is where the impact begins. It's like, okay. Um, And now since we've scaled out so much and just in general, the sustainability um, in fashion, people want recycled polyester um, within their clothes. And so what is great about the fashion industry Mm -hmm. is how much impact they can make if we, if we see the man, right? Like people, people, like money obviously <laughs> and they, they want to sell product that, that that sells and so having recycled polyester within within marketing and, and and customers demanding it i think it opens the doors for for different mills to be able to say hey we're running out of water bottles from from japan because like they only <laughs> have so much problem. right <laughs> right it, it that's that's the truth that's yeah. a good problem to have so it's like okay so where where can we establish recycling programs in these countries that have a lot of water bottles and do the cleaning that is like japan or like that is like taiwan and so, you know, our mill, they started, this is in 2019, 2020, you know, they established a recycling center in Indonesia to be able to process chips, to clean it, um, to collect it. Unfortunately, like places like Indonesia that's that's developing, they don't have recycling programs that are government ran, right? They don't go out, there's no curbside recycling. And so what that does for sustainability is there's incentive for common people that are that live there to collect water bottles because the mills will pay for it it's like you don't want to leave money on the ground when it's like literally right there and so you know Mm -hmm. people start recycling as an incentive and that's really how how fashion can actually make an impact worldwide right without anyone knowing just like hey recycle water bottles in in, in your leggings like as simple as that and just really demanding that can have obviously a a huge downstream effect in terms of like how folks produce we have to be careful too because like you know if there's demand, people are going to cheat, right? 
people start buying virgin water bottles that's been never used mm-hmm. and that's a plus it's clear that fits your specs of ter- in terms of like how how good it has to be and they just chip it down and so that's a pretty common practice mm-hmm. in countries that have low standards in terms of certifications i mean the domino effect it's it's interesting about like how you can you know you're building these infrastructures in yes. these places that don't Absolutely. have it if we can educate what what the you know the worst part about the industry is and educate and give the consumers that knowledge. Consumers can actually ask that question. It's like, hey, where's your where's your raw material from? You know, and is it is yeah. it certified? And so, you know, our brands posting up that certification on their website, so consumers can like do their due diligence if they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. I think it's those things where yeah. it's like if you can educate, let it be known. Hopefully, there might be some regulation that happens, right? If I'm importing something that that has recycled polyester in it, can I show the government something so they can actually help? you know, brands that are doing good work and sort of like cut out the bad actors or brands that are kind of just buying something because some mill said it was recycled. And so. Right. And so when you, you know, were studying, studying this in school, mm-hmm. did you think that you would be at the intersection of fashion and sustainability or where did you think, like, how <laughs> did this a, kind of happen? <laughs> yeah, not at all. In school, my project was, was on solar panels, right? And this is 2004, 2005. Wow, yeah. Really early on, solar panels are super expensive. You look at how much a solar panel generated and how much it costs at the time, and and you run, you know, the payback period. It's like, oh my god, it's like a hundred years, <laughs> you know, like for me to generate enough electricity to pay this thing off. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But 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 I, th- but I think it's important, right? Because like, look look at where we are today. You know, how many years later? Fifteen years mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And, and solar panels are cheap yeah. enough where, depending on where you live, is 12 to 18 cents per kilowatt hour. And it's just like the payback period is 10 years now. I'd imagine there's some scale there where hopefully another 10 years, maybe the payback period is five. And so I, I think it's important that we continue right. to invest in these things similar to clothes and fashion. When we first started, demand was really low. You know, you walk in our mill you know, and, and every single machine that, that produces recycled polyester has to be certified, right? So there's a sticker on every single machine. This is the machine that only touches recycled yarn. And within this, within our mill, there's thousands of machines that produce yarn. And and when we were there, there was only like maybe five machines that produce recycled yarn by like a percent, right? And it was really expensive. And, and we're, we're really invested yeah. in this community, no matter what the cost was. And, you know, our margins weren't as high as say like, you know, a Lululemon, right? That charged a lot of premium amount and using materials that cost mm-hmm. much less than what we were doing. And I think for us, the most important thing was like, hey, if we're going to use more expensive material, we have to make this mm-hmm. successful so that we can get the scale and to show people that and hopefully show other brands that there is demand for being sustainable. And now, you know, the cost of obviously recycled polyester has gone down because more people are demanding and, and mills are scaling up. And so hopefully, you know, um, we see something similar to solar panels where it's like, okay, there's more people producing it, more people are collecting this type of raw material, everything sort of, you know, starts becoming cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to the fact that why burn coal anymore when you can, when, when you can literally, yeah, when there's a better do, alternative, yeah, there's a better alternative, you know, so why buy virgin yeah. polyester when you have just as good of an option that's just as expensive and there's more demand for it because, you know, customers are, are, are demanding it, so. Yeah. It still blows my mind that the Sheehan's of the world exist, that people are buying <laughs> clothes on fast fashion yeah. and just 
wearing them once and then taking them to the to the thrift store as if they're like quality yeah um, like how do we compete with that people will always want to buy five dollar leggings <laughs> like i know i know it, it's hard it's really really hard yeah. um i'm not gonna say that's not I, I i hear this all the time you know in, in in the reviews where it's like i used to buy leggings every single month from target for you know 10 18 bucks and you know they get a hole in it and they it's the first time i actually invested in girlfriend collective and i wear it every day for three years and it looks brand new still it's a long road <laughs> fast fashion is is going to be around unfortunately you know i think with the generation of tiktok the, the instagram the showing of like all these different things all the time the freshness that has to be there my my hope you know, in doing this is to my point before was the cost of producing the sustainable option is just the same as the non-sustainable option. Mm -hmm. Maybe the, the Sheehan's of the world can produce at least at, in, at the raw material stage to produce things that are, you know, more sustainable. Being the sustainable options in these places really matters and giving them, giving these folks an opportunity to not buy fast fashion and, and showing them why just like hey just just buy it once and wear it for a while and hopefully if if it does fail on you three four years down the road send it back to us we'll recycle it and try to be part of the next wave of, of what the future fashion is and i think that leads to something carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car that's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To circularity. I think, uh, especially culturally, you might not think that that premium product is for mm -hmm. you. And so I think you're totally right about the education piece here of just like, look how this could serve you in the long run, almost like an investment yeah. in itself and an investment in our mm -hmm. planet. <laughs> like, let's start here and then see how far that gets us. So oh, what are some things that are happening down the pike at Girlfriend Collective? You guys are already on a roll, but what other initiatives or things are you trying to implement, whether it's onboarding different countries or taking over Shein? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about taking over Shein. We grew a lot in, mm -hmm. in, through COVID. We had a lot of demand and that taught us a lot of lessons of, of how do we scale and again, grow this business in the right way without you know, sacrificing a bunch of things. And that really is going back to back to basics, really. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. let's just focus on on things that really, really matter and focus on the materials that really matter and be able to invest in that so that, that we can think about what comes next. 
mm-hmm. next year and the year after. And what I'm really excited about is, you know, being able to see Regirlfriend follow through. <laughs> For the last like five years, we've, mm-hmm. we've been collecting all of these, these leggings, you know, like people are starting to send back the leggings that we sold in 2017 when we did that free leggings campaign. Oh, wow. Where, you know, and it's like, hey, your leggings finally broke down five years later. It's like, oh, that's a long time. And now we're, we're seeing these things come back. Part of the recycling game is be able to collect and sort, right? And that's why it's so expensive. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, we can't just like, mm-hmm. if, if we make the mills do it, it's going to be really expensive because that's not their expertise. But if we can help them along the way, um, hopefully the cost of producing yarn from old clothes is a little bit cheaper. And I think a lot of the recycling industry is all about control and what is in the material. And so for us, we've had circularity in mind from the very beginning. In parallel, you know, we are testing with our current mill over in, in, in Taiwan to do the next step, which is color removal. I think that's the next important step is to try to oh. strip out as much of the color as possible in a sustainable manner. It's like, okay, you have to use chemicals, you have to do this, but what's the impact there? Um, can we move the color safely? And we're at mm-hmm. that stage and, you know, we've seen samples of it being white. And, and, and clear wow. um, and being able to be, be on, you know, a grade color. And the next step is to be able to shred it and um, pretty much chip it down like, like in, in water bottles, right? Pretty simple process after that. But then after that, it gets a little bit hard because now it's like, okay, we have this yarn that's not from water bottles. Like, what does it do? We don't know. Here <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we go find yeah, out. We'll get, yeah, we got we to gotta figure that out. And so it, it's in stages. And it's a long, it's a long game. It's a long road. Yeah. But as a brand, if we want to do this, you got to do it right. And I think that's that's the way that I think we see we see for us is the most exciting thing. It's like you know, people have recycling programs all over the place. Um, H&M, for example, you know, they'll take whatever back in, in, in their bin and usually that's, that's scrapped down to rags or it gets twisted up into, into different yarn types and made into rugs. But all that, I think in my uh, view is, yes, we are doing something important, which is extending the life of something like, yeah, like. An old T-shirt doesn't have to be thrown away; it can be turned into a rug. But I think that's great, and that'll have a lifespan of X amount of years. But eventually, it, what do you do with that rug? I think it's that's the question. I think for us, mm-hmm. we want to show ourselves and also the industry. It's like, hey, if we do it this way, if you can collect yourself as a brand and sort for the mills, um, this is the path to be able to recycle your clothes into new clothes. Yeah. That's the future for us. <laughs> That's the future for Girlfriend Collective. I'm excited to see what's what's next. It's really inspiring just talking to you and other founders that like there's obviously an easy road that you could take and y'all are not taking it. For those of us who feel like they don't know where to start with sustainable fashion, can you give any tips on how to like incorporate this into our daily day-to-day lives? Yeah, you know, I think I think um, sustainable fashion really mirrors itself to like food, right? It's all about the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, there's not a lot of ingredients compared to like food. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, um, in synthetic yarns, there's really, I think, three, four, five types, right? It's polyester, nylon, um, you know, polymer, which is spandex, acrylics, you know, which isn't there. There's not a sustainable source for that. And so just understanding and, and educating yourself in terms of, what are these different yarn types? And from there, it's like, if you were to buy the sample version of these types, what's the raw material? Where does it come from? And, mm-hmm. and can you backtrack it within that brand? If they're saying, hey, this is recycled polyester, 
you know, you go on their about us page or you go on their FAQs or you read through their Instagram, are they revealing anything? Are they linking out to their vendors and suppliers for these different things? Recycled polyester is pretty easy. Like the number one source for recycled polyester is single use plastics for food. And so water containers, uh, all that stuff. Nylon is a little bit harder. I think for me, the ideal way to go about recycled nylon is there's only like maybe two places that do recycled nylon the way that I would like. And that's from recycled fishing nets and carpets. And there's one vendor in, in Italy called Econil, and they are one of the first ones to be able to do this. They started collecting used fishing nets because fishing nets is made out of nylon, super strong material and rugs, right? Like, you know, commercial rugs in any office building or even, even the rug that you're walking on today is mostly made out of nylon because it's super cheap and durable. I think post-consumer, post-industrial recycled nylon makes a ton of sense. Um, the other way to get recycled nylon is tangled yarns within the mill. You know, this is a normal process within the mill anyway. If the if if the yarns are tangled, they would before before recycling standards and the stamp was even available, they would you don't throw away a tangled yarn, you just put it back in back into the stream and and make new yarn, right? Versus but now it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I can call this recycled mm-hmm. and get paid a premium for it. Um, and sell it to a brand and the brand can say, Hey, this is mm-hmm. recycled nylon. I think those are the two important things for a customer to get educated. Is like, what is the raw material? You know, where is it coming from? If they're saying it's recycled, is it from you know industrial waste? Is this sometimes what they say? You know, in terms of the mills, or is it from like a post-industrial, post-post-consumer, um, you know, place like the the fishing industry or the carpet industry or you know the food industry? And that's really, that's, that's what it really comes down to is just like, there's not a lot of different types of materials that a fashion company can buy, right? And it's not like food, but if you just read the label on any piece of clothing, it kind of tells you the mixture and, and the and, and what it's made from. And you can kind of sort of backtrack and kind of ask, mm-hmm. ask the right questions. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on? I think, I think, you know, Sustainability is, is, is a journey, you know what I mean? People are going to make um, mistakes. People are going to trust the wrong people, especially when it comes to brands. I think grace and patience, especially as we are sort of at this intersection where where everyone is trying to figure out and what is the best way to make something and, and asking the right questions and not, not judging too harshly, you know what I mean? I don't know, especially if it's a consumer or even for a brand. Everybody's on their own path. I think there's no right or wrong way to be able to do it, but as long as everyone is is learning and growing and educating together, I think we'll be in a better place. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Kwong Din. This episode was scripted, edited, and mastered by Haley Pascalides and produced by Jen Snyder, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt Domenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.